diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Welcome to womanhood. Thou shalt know the rules. Thou shalt honour the aesthetic. Thou shalt embody the aesthetic. Thou shalt be pleasing to look upon. Thou shalt be pleasing to listen to. Thou shalt be pleasing unto all senses. Thou shalt be gentle. Thou shalt be sweet. Thou shalt smile, thou shalt be bubbly. Thou shalt be available sexually. But sex is not a thing thou shalt actively seek. Thou shalt not paint thy face deceivingly, nor shalt thou be seen with thy face unpainted. Thou shalt awake with thy face just so. How did it get thus? Who shalt know? Thou shalt do all things listed in the book of desirables. Thou shalt avoid all things listed in the book of unfuckables. Thou shalt be hot but humble. Thou shalt be considered naive and yet still bear 90% of all responsibilities. Thou shalt be available for emotional labour endlessly. But thou shalt not have too many emotions of thine own. Thou shalt not feel any of the following... Anger, frustration, annoyance, irritation, sadness, anxiety, pride, boredom, self-esteem, any emotion really. Thou canst cry, but just so long as thy crying face be pretty and not discomforting unto others. Thou shalt smile more. Thou shalt have only endearing flaws. Thou shalt have a body in whatever proportions are currently considered fashionable. Thou shouldst probably order the salad. Thou shalt find the salad unaccountably funny and have a good laugh at it. <laughs> thou shalt laugh at jokes, but not at thine own jokes. In fact, thou shouldst not tell too many jokes of thine own. Being a stand-up comedian is right out. Thou shalt apologise to the one thou hast inconvenienced. Thou shalt apologise to the one who hast inconvenienced thee. Thou shalt apologise to inanimate objects. Thou shalt apologise to the universe generally for thine existence. Thou shalt not speak of thy menstruation or the processes of thy body. And yet thou shalt be prepared for motherhood instinctively. Thou shalt be maternal. Thou shalt bear a child. But thou shalt not, if thou art too young, and thou shalt not if thou art too old, and thou shalt not if thou art unemployed, and thou shalt not if thou hast a career, and thou shalt not if thou art single, and thou shalt not if thou art queer, 
but if thou shalt not, thou shalt be deemed incomplete. Thou shalt, of course, have ovaries to begin with. If thou art trans, and thou shouldst not be, but if thou insist, thou shalt trans before puberty, so thou hast no mark of the bad hormones upon thee. But thou shalt trans only when of age, so thou art old enough to know. Basically, thou hast a window of about five minutes, and by listening to these rules, thou hast missed it. So, sucks to be thee. <laughs> thou shalt be thyself. Nay, not like that. Nay, nor like that either. Nay, nay, nay. Thou shalt be the version of thyself we write for thee. And if thou finds our terms contradictory, verily, that seems like a thou problem. Thou shalt be measured, and thou shalt be found wanting, whatever thou shalt do. Welcome to womanhood. We hope thee abide by these few simple rules. <laughs> and welcome to Spoken Word on 3CR Community Radio at 855am or 3CR Digital or streaming from 3cr.org.au. We proudly broadcast from Wurundjeri land in the Kulin Nation. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We're talking with Nikki Vivica this morning. Hi, Brandon. Hi, how are you going? Um, yeah, good. Life's a bit of a whirl at the moment. Life's a bit of a whirl. Um, What's going on? I'm in the process of moving up to Sydney to do some professional theatre stuff. Ah, yes. And listeners so. to In Your Face recently would have heard yes. this story. Yes. Uh, Nikki's leaving us. Yeah. So as, as we speak, I am days off getting on a train um, and riding up to Sydney by rail, like an old school movie heroine. Oh, At wow. least that's the idea. I probably won't look like an old school movie heroine by the time I arrive. It's an all night trip. But. I'm picturing, uh, yeah, I'm picturing the uh, the timber carriages and everybody reading newspapers. They're not quite. They're not quite that fancy still, but um. <laughs> there'll be a murder. Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> Where was that poem from? Uh, that was a poem I wrote for um, the most recent show I did in Melbourne called "The Femme Commandments." Um, so the show was one that I wrote with my friend Kitty San Pedro who plays music in the show and we wanted to do something that expressed all our feelings about um, you know the state of the world for women right now um, I'm a trans woman and uh, Kitty is a cis woman and but we share so many of these same frustrations about the things going on in the world and we wanted to put that into a into a piece that um, that really expressed it uh, with the show we collected a bunch of my um a bunch of the feminist poetry which I've written uh over the, the previous few years um and then set them to music so like said a lot of the poems to music uh which Kitty played and created a kind of theatrical experience out of that out of the poetry uh which is fun we had like full professional theater lighting and everything it was um it was amazing uh, but then I wanted to have um a piece uh expressly capturing the sort of premise of the show and that was this idea of all the rules that get put on you as as a woman like you grow up with them all all your life there's this constant series of uh, standards you're supposed to be meeting and things you're being judged on and stuff like that and it's you know obviously when you come out as trans like me like it intensifies it's not like I wasn't already soaking up a lot of that stuff as I was growing up but 
it's just like it gets even more and more in, intense. And we find as you sort of go on through life and get a bit older, you just get overwhelmed with them. <laughs> it was the last thing that we did for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the last thing I actually wrote. I wrote it very close to the opening night, actually. But we've been talking about it before we talked about anything else. Like it was sort of like the the core premise of the show. And so throughout the process of, of making the show, Kitty would send me like little dash outs and things like that, like rules which she found annoying. And we just kind of like collected our annoyances. And then, yeah, as I often do, I often tend to write in like big creative bursts, often when I'm about to be on stage, often when like the the knowledge of being on stage is coming up very, very soon. <laughs> That's when I do my best writing. Um, so it was kind of like a thing which we'd been, you know, like I've been noodling around with for months probably. We'd been working on it and then I had this moment of like, right, here's all the things and it's exactly the right the right creative space you want to be in um, for writing something which has a bit of that kind of uh, almost sort of rant quality about it or that real like venting of emotions quality. It's that's something I want to come out of me in a rush. You don't kind of assemble that piece by piece. It's like we lay all the groundwork and then you sort of pour it out in an emotional state. You've so, been laying the groundwork for uh, decades. <laughs> yeah, well, true. <laughs> we shall not say on air how many decades, but <laughs> there have been decades involved. <laughs> At least two. <laughs> At least. <laughs> Which is silly too. I mean, it's silly too, like, um, you know, th- things like that, like even natural things like ageing. I feel, you know, I've always been self-conscious about talking about my, even when I was like, you know, when I was in my 20s um, and talking about age back then, I think from probably around about 23, 24, that's where it kicks in, uh, when you start feeling like you're you're ageing or something, which is something that everyone is doing constantly. You know, you can bring in this self-consciousness. It's like this, this rule that you're not supposed to age. It's like obviously the most impossible rule yeah, that's right. that anyone can meet. Um, yeah. But they're all, all, all gender roles, uh, you know, equivalent levels of silliness. Or insanity. I say silliness, but it's obviously a lot more sinister than silliness. There's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of weight put behind it and you can, uh, you can spend a lot of your life burdened by these things. I, I think that's part of why it builds up in you as you get older because you spend a lot of time chasing these roles and trying to meet these roles and trying to fit everyone's standard for you. And just over time, you realise how how nonsensical they are. Following all these, these rules society gives you doesn't bring you happiness. It doesn't bring you the things that you're told. It's just, it's just a burden. It's just an obligation on you to do this. And it gets in the way of your own personal um, search for happiness, which is you know, obviously more important. Yeah, um, and you, and you think you've uh, you know you think you've perfected one and you're doing really well at that, and then there's another one. Yeah, yeah, and there's a new one, and it's just like you, yeah, you just you just keep accumulating them. They just keep on piling on you. It's like just like a pile on of obligations which never stops. I've seen you do that poem uh, live, mm. and uh, I don't think there's anyone in the audience who doesn't get it. You know, it's a real cathartic experience for everybody. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a hot summer. Yay for summer! Summer brings swimming, summer brings picnics in the park, and summer brings the 3CR Summer Wine Fundraiser. So find a shady spot, grab your picnic blanket, and gather your mates to get your order in. We're selling delicious wine, generously provided by a Victorian wine producer, just in time for your summer gathering. This is a new provider to us, and we know you'll love the wine. 
Wines can be purchased in a single bottle, a gift pack of three, or get a discount and order in a half dozen or one dozen lot. For an extra $10, we can deliver to anyone within a 15k radius of the station. It's easy to support 3CR this summer. Order online at 3cr.org.au shop or call the station on 03 9419 8377 during business hours. In the summer I went swimming, in the summer I might have drowned. But I held my breath, I kicked my feet and I moved my arms around. Welcome back to 3CR Spoken Word. My oh. name is Brendan Bonsack. And oh, I'm so nice to be here. And I'm with Nikki Vivica this morning. Uh, we've just been hearing some wonderful poetry from Nikki. Uh, but I've heard that you have also done collaborations with a choir. I have. It was a project which uh, we worked on an album which was commissioned by ABC Classical. Uh, it was released earlier this year, uh, 2023, um, but I had actually been working on it for... Uh, for a while, they had commissioned a composer, my very dear friend Medico, and this a, a brilliant composer, um, to compose a cycle of like four queer love songs. I don't know if you call that a cycle. I'm not up on classical music terminology <laughs> all that all that much time. My classical music friends will touch me. Um, it was like a sort of a song series, like there's four love songs, and so there was an individual poet for each one. So each movement, each of the four movements, is written by a different poet. Shall we have a listen? Uh, yes, we shall. This is uh, the first movement of A Love is a Love is a Love. The movement is called You. It's um, performed by Divisi Chamber Singers with Cody Green on piano.
Thank you. I think so. <laughs> um, no, I mean I'm. Yeah, I just uh, I, I just love Matt's work as a composer, and if you hear the like the rest of that album or any of the other work which Matt has up online, just um, yeah, I just find their music transports me to to another space. So if people were to look that up, it's called Love. A love is a love, love is, a, is love. a love. Yeah. So you're about to leave. Uh, this fair city. What, what's going on? Oh, I am eventually. It's felt like leaving has felt like it's. I felt like an like an aging rock star during a farewell tour. I just. <laughs> I've been talking about leaving Melbourne for months now, and I'm still here, slowly, slowly dragging myself away. Yeah, no, I got cast in a professional show at the Griffin Theatre, uh, iconic theatre in Kings Cross, mm-hmm. and we're performing three Louis Nara plays. Uh, so, so I'm being an actress, not a poet, being an actress. Wow. Yeah, a few years ago I'd done some readings of new work at MTC and then sort of on the back of that I've got offered this role up in Sydney. Like I had to fly up or an audition for it and do the whole process. But, um, yeah, it's... You bring a lot of theatricality to your poetry when you perform. Yes, well, I'm one of these these artists who's just like drifted from art form to art form over the years. So I originally did start doing theatre um, before I went into improv and comedy and then cycled around to poetry. Uh, so I've sort of come full circle in a way. But. You broke the rules, thou shalt not do stand up. Yeah, that's why that line's in the poem. <laughs> <laughs> I very much broke the rules. How did you find doing stand up? Look, it took a lot to get into, and part of that was because it was such a male dominated uh, environment, especially when I was first trying to do it. 
you'd go to these nights that'd be run by men, that'd be all their mates on the lineup. It would feel like you're getting up to do jokes in the locker room. It, um, you know, and kudos to all the amazing, uh, amazing female comedians who have thrived in that environment and been able to been able to make it in that environment. I always found it too intimidating. <laughs> Once I started being able to find places which were where the rooms were run by women or we used to have a, a, a women's only comedy night, uh, which would run. We had one token token bloke, we called them. <laughs> uh, we had one token bloke on the lineup, but otherwise it'd be all, all women. And once we had those sort of spa- safe spaces in comedy, I found it a lot easier to, to do. But then I sort of just brought out my own show, my own first solo show, before I'd done any spots anywhere. Because I found the whole open mic scene so kind of scary. But it's just like, well, if you're coming to see my solo show, you've signed up for everything you get in it. So uh, come along to that. Uh, and then I started doing doing stand-up at first, just in exclusively like queer or women's mm-hmm. nights. And then that gave me the courage to go and take on the mainstream mm-hmm. stand-up as well. Um, I actually find like the art of stand-up is one of my favourite arts, both to, both to watch and to perform. It's just like the connection with between audience and performer. It's just so personal. And I love that every stand-up show I do is a different show. It's like, you know, I've got the script, but it's so much is determined by how the audience respond. And I always try to have, like, audience interaction or improv bits in there as well. And it just keeps it... It's just so alive. I always feel so alive and connected when doing it. It's, yeah, the actual business of doing stand-up in this world is not always as rewarding. It doesn't have the same... The community isn't always as supportive as, say, the poetry community is. Is it similar to poetry or is poetry similar to doing stand-up? Well, there's been always been a lot of interplay between my poems and my stand-up. I have found, like, with having trained myself mostly in comedy, like either improv comedy or stand-up, that I have to remind myself that I don't always need to be funny when I do, I do things. It's like every time I do a poem which doesn't have gags in it, which doesn't have jokes, which is very serious, then I feel so self-conscious about it. Like, if I write a poem, which is funny, I'm just like, hey, if I listen to this poem I wrote, you can like this poem. If I've written a poem and it's like, it's just feelings, I'm like, oh, this old thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, you might want to listen to this, I guess. Or you might want to throw it in the trash. I don't know. Like, I get very self-conscious about it. Um, And I think part of that is from coming from that that stand-up background of thinking just like, you know, you think in terms of punchlines. And even when I'm writing poetry or doing storytelling, my mind is trying to put punchlines in there. It's like, that's how it wants to approach it and with poetry you can just you can release a lot of that you're talking about trying to reach a punchline yeah in a poem can you are there like a emotional punchlines so even if they're not funny you're sort of directing the poem towards this little nugget Mm. yeah i think they yeah i think they can definitely be emotional punchlines or sometimes in poems it's just linguistics punchlines it's just like you get this like sort of congregation of words which are particularly satisfying to say and particularly satisfying to listen to. And whatever it's about content-wise, that just the words themselves can have that same kind of kind of effect. Um, but, yeah, it's like it's a different, different series of kind of beats like that or different, like, um, high points that you want to hit in a poem, which you can do in multiple different ways. So, yeah, so a stand-up, it's mostly going to be humour. Sometimes you'll have some emotional punches as well but it's mostly going to be be jokes serving that that role but yeah I, th- I think poetry you've got like just a lot of flexibility to to do stuff i was very inspired like when going into poetry actually seeing um chloe black uh perform she's a 
um, another trans comedian. This is this was years ago before either of us was out, but um, strangely is very drawn to this performer. But she would do these like amazing slam poems, which are basically comedy comedy pieces, but through the medium of poetry. And when I saw her do this amazing poem where she's just being Godzilla, <laughs> stopping my joke in this poem as an analogy for love, and I was watching them like, oh, poetry has got so much more scope to it uh, than what I thought it did. Like, I don't have to sit around and try to be Shelley or one of those romantic poets or those or those old floppy-haired dudes which I grew up on. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't, I don't have to, like, try to speak in that kind of flowery language. You can, um, like, find many ways to express yourself. Um, just using the language in different creative ways. And so, um, mm. What will you miss about Melbourne? Look, I've been in Melbourne for now most of, most of my adult life. I, I moved here. It's sort of, it's like my whole life has been here. And it's, I'm going to miss that feeling of like just knowing people. Like I, everywhere I go in Melbourne, I will know someone because I've been here for a long time. I've done a lot of things. That's part of the thing with changing art every few years with constantly getting obsessed with different hobbies, uh, like intensely being in one subculture for a few years and then moving. It's just like I know so many people in Melbourne. Um, and I really love that feeling of being able to, you know, just head into the city or go down to a cafe or something. And there's a good chance I'll run into somebody who I've met at some point. And that's very nice, like feeling feeling connected with a community like that. Um, it's, very, it's very rewarding. Um, I feel comfortable like that. Whereas Sydney, like I've got friends in Sydney, um, but, you know, if I wander around in Sydney, no one knows me. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'll certainly, I'll certainly miss that. It's um, like, it's exciting to be somewhere new or somewhere with less memories in it. Uh, like I find anywhere I go in Melbourne, that's the other thing. Anywhere I go here, there's some memory attached to it. It's just like, you wander around some suburbs and it's like, oh, I've cried on every one of these corners at some point for some heartbreak or other. It's just like you you create this separate emotional map over the, over the city. Um, and it's nice to be able to see the world through, through sort of different eyes without seeing it constantly through that, that lens of, of memory and association that you get with the place. But also those memories and associations are part of what make you feel at home in a place. Mm. Like it's nice to be able to go to a place and be like, oh, I've I've been at this place through, you know, X, Y, Z, different critical points in my life. And this place has been the same or this this aspect of the city has been the same through all of that. Um, so those that aspect of the map of memory is, is quite, quite comforting. Well, I hope you make some great new memories in <laughs> Sydney. Ah, me too. Me too. I'm up there. I'm up there for at least like six months, I mm. think. So we'll see. We'll see if I become a Sydney person or if I come scuttling back down here in six months, being like Melbourne, take me back. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> Thank you so much for popping in today. Oh, you're so welcome, Brandon. You've been listening to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. You can listen back to a podcast of this and many other shows going back over a decade on 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word. Please don't forget the dash. Spoken Word broadcasts every Thursday morning at 9am on 3CR. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.